Hello and welcome to the second ever creation podcast. Um, this episode, we're going to change it up, we're going international um, and we're talking to creation founder and general inspiration, David Parrish. Um, you can probably hear some crackling going on because I am um, in the studio, uh, but David is in Norway uh, on Skype. So yeah, if you get a bit of uh, a bit of crackle, do apologise for that. But hopefully we're going to have an interesting enough conversation to keep you uh, going. So uh, let's get started. So okay, David, um, just give us a quick biog for anybody who doesn't know your creation history and who you are and why you're here. <laughs> oh, well, first of all, I've got to start by thanking you very much for having me, haven't I? Uh, oh, well, you could do. Um, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Well, greetings, for fraternal greetings from the people of Norway. Uh, I think I'll start with that. It's like Eurovision. Um, your points, please, Norway. It, it, <laughs> it is Yes, please. Um, um, so, uh, well, you wanted a bio, did you? Well, yeah. What's, what's your name and where'd you come from? That. Okay. Well, my, my name, my name's David and I'm, my family's from Yorkshire, but, uh, the creation started when I was at drama school in Birmingham and I didn't really want to produce any shows, but I thought I should have a go. And so I set up a little company and produced a show and then a year or so later, I moved to Oxford and was in an open air show myself in Oxford in a college garden. And I thought I could produce a better show than this. <laughs> and so I invited a few people to, to join me at that point and creation and its Oxford um, incarnation was formed. And we uh, kind of arrived on the scene there in 1996. Yeah, so we've been, well, we celebrated 20 years of creation last year so we're on to 21 keep changing the logo um so and so was there a moment where you thought this is the job for me this is the company for me like was there a moment where you were um she's waving at me about something um where uh where you thought where it went from kind of this would be fun to give it a go to no i think this is the thing i'm gonna do from now on um, yeah, it's it, it's really interesting that, that in a way because the first time I did it at drama school, I thought I'm not going to do that again. It was just an enormous amount of hard work for I couldn't see any kind of really massive benefit. Although I acted in the first show, and then the first show in Oxford, um, again, it, it nearly killed me. It was uh, you know it was a roller coaster and it was stressful and a nightmare, and I'll never do that again. But we had this problem that we sold three and a half thousand tickets uh, for the first show in Oxford. And so I was obliged to have another little go. And and then on the second show, uh, something like 8,000 people came. So And that was Macbeth in 97. And so so we, in a way, I was a kind of a victim of, of the success. If we'd sold a thousand tickets, I probably wouldn't have bothered, but... Uh, I sort of got sucked into thinking, oh, yeah, we can do this. We can get a lot of people to come. And then after a few years of doing it, it the project was so big and so much money involved and so many people working for me that uh, I um, I found myself a slave of the company. <laughs> and so do you think, were you the sort of pioneers? Because, you know, at the moment, every summer in Oxford, um, there are dozens of shows on and there are student productions and there are professional shows. And, you know, the Globe's been on tour to Oxford for the last few years. It's a, it's a massive industry, Open Air Shakespeare. Were you were you the pioneers or where were you in that kind of race? You, well, you, you know, Charlie, I think that... Um, 
I think uh, that probably people have been doing open air shows in Oxford for a hundred or perhaps hundreds of years. So, so I, I, I can't think that there's any um, claim uh, that, uh, that that creation were the pioneers. Even even at the time when when I first came to Oxford to be in one of those shows myself in 1995. Um, that the fact is that there were loads of open air summer shows going on in Oxford. The thing is, and this sounds really horrible and really patronising and really arrogant, and so forgive me, uh, all listeners, or is it just you and me, Charlie, who are going to hear this? <laughs> but, uh, um, but, but I, 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 I thought that the quality was so embarrassing and so bad of most of them that uh, I really thought, gosh. Um, this is a bit of a scandal. It's just taking money off tourists, and I could I could do a much better show. And so that's that's kind of what set creation apart. Do you think, and kind of kept us going? Was just being there every summer and well, kind of getting better and better. I, I think, um, and and again, this this may come across as arrogant, hmm. but I I think. Our ambition to 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 do really high quality, amazing shows, and to to really push what we the boundaries of what we could think of and doing things in a strange, site-specific way, was in a, a different level to the other stuff that was happening. So on our on our show in 1997, when we built this big treehouse system, and we had lots of fire and Adam Stevens who was involved in those days was a chemist and we had colored fire and colored smoke and a, a big visual spectacle and it was of a it was of a different scale of ambition thanks to Zoe Seaton as well it has to be said a, di- a different scale of ambition to the other types of open air shows that were happening in in rose gardens and amongst pretty flowers and whatnot um so 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 i guess that there was a there was a bigger visual bang about what we did and I, and I, and i hope all of the other aspects of the quality matched that visual bang yeah i think it's it's probably a bit of a sort of um a cliche to say about about theater uh, these days but that it's a kind of event theater because i um but long before I worked for Creation, I we used to come to Creation shows for my birthday when I was sort of young teenager, and my we my family didn't go to the theatre. We would never have kind of stepped inside a theatre, but there was something about a Creation show that was sort of accessible and magical because you weren't going into this hallowed building you were just walking into a field and then people would be on stilts and people would come out of trees and it sort of felt like it wasn't what you were wasn't what you thought it was going to be and it wasn't what you were expecting either. Um, which I think has probably helped us over the years to kind of pull in people who wouldn't see themselves as theatregoers and also keep people coming back to see what are they going to do next. It's a kind of creation challenge we set ourselves. Yeah. Um, but now you're in Norway. Fast forward. Yeah. <laughs> um, the reason we're speaking to you in Norway is because you live there. Um, and so you, um, you sort of sometime in 2010, is that right? Sort of decided to make the move, like... What, what what takes yeah, you to we, Norway? We, 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 well, my, my wife had finished her doctorate. We lived in Oxford. My wife's Norwegian. And she'd finished her doctorate. And, um, and then we're starting to think about what, uh, we, um, what we would do next. And she had lots of contacts in Norway and job opportunities in Norway. 
So, so, so we also thought that our our little girl, who was approaching four years old, should have a a period in Norway. She was little to mm. to cement her bilingualism, and um, and so we went in theory for a year. And and the wonderful Nicola West or Nikki um, held the baby of creation whilst <laughs> I commuted a bit and worked for and I worked on the kitchen table in Norway for a year, and I had every intention of coming back after a year and we did come back after after what turned out to be 16 months with a with a new baby in tow but um but the year the year in norway was really good and and in a way we we kind of decided for family reasons and my wife's career and so on that maybe we really wanted to be in norway and the truth was that by then i'd had almost 16 dizzy years of of creation and and either i needed to take a, a close the company for one or two years and take some kind of break mm-hmm. um or 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 i needed to leave and um and and it seemed best for all of the other people who were creationists the, the staff the team and the rest of it there was, there was no way i could just disappear for a year or two um and have no involvement so it was best to then handover and that ultimately led to the wonderful team of you and uh, and Lucy and the others who are now who are now who are now Mrs and Mr and Miss or whatever you are creation. <laughs> yes we're, we're holding the baby now the baby is ours um, and so you went to yeah. the the National Theatre of Norway I guess I don't know Norwegian National Theatre one of those things um, as a producer that sort of first up well, not 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 when I got off the boat, so mm-hmm. to speak. When I got off the boat, I was at home looking after Lucera, our youngest, and I was still a little bit involved in creation for six or seven months, or at least in theory. And and I was just kind of a, a gentleman, and uh, and uh, uh, um, and you know, at home with at home with our youngest. So, but when I started to think uh, now I need a job, and Lucia was going to start in nursery, then um, amazingly and wonderfully. Um, you know, uh, I was very lucky. I sort of just fell into it very quickly and the National Theatre gave me a job. And that's, we've sort of had conversations and you've come back to the Creation Office, but that sounds pretty different to, well, first of all, to the creation world, which is a kind of kind of scrabbly startup. Even at, at 21 years, we're, we're still a kind of small business. Um, and But also to, to potentially the environment of producing theatre in the UK. Like, what are your sort of major kind of differences between the two what did you have to sort of quickly get your head around once you'd started well uh gosh there there are so many <laughs> and and so and so so numerous but but obviously um the, the national theater is obviously in the capital city of, of the country uh, and there's a, there's a proud tradition of of theatre in Norway. Uh, Ibsen, obviously, a uh, hundred and a bit years ago, was a big international star writer, mm. and uh, there've been some other successful uh, Norwegian writers over the years. And so, to work at the National Theatre in a country that values theatre is obviously a privileged position to be in. And the National Theatre has a has a well it's more than a civic role whatever what do you call it it is a national role it's a, more more than just a civic role in a way it it it, it has a, a a role in the various kind of almost statal institutions 
there are certain national galleries and national libraries and national this, that and the other, which have roles in many countries. And the, and the theatre has that role. It has a royal box and it, it's expected at certain big moments in Norway's history to to be a part of, of what's happening, to tell the story of what's happening in the nation, to reflect the language and to, to celebrate uh, Norwegian culture. And does, um, does that manage to be... Does that manage to be quite forward-looking? Because you would sort, you would sort of, with that kind of build-up on the royal box, you would think it's all about kind of the hallowed classic texts. Does it also have to kind of speak to contemporary experience? And is that part? Of, is that seen as part of the responsibility? I, I think I think that to manage a national theatre, at least the, the the little bit of an insight that I've got into being close to uh, close to the seat of power in a small <laughs> way, uh, where I am now. It, it, it is obviously a real balancing act. On, on the one hand, you've got this amazing building, which was built with an enormous amount of national pride in 1899, or opened in 1899, and then has got this really centrally important geographical position uh, sitting between the Royal Palace uh, and the Parliament um, uh, in the centre of Oslo. And, and so obviously the building in a way is a little bit of a, a holy shrine and quite a hallowed yeah. building that in, in a way is a blessing, but also is a bit of a burden. And so, so, so on the one hand, you've got to kind of, you know, do your stuff in your, the context of your big stone grand building. Um, and on the other hand, you're, you're obviously expected to be the bastion of, uh, of Norwegian culture. But on the other hand, Norway is a, a modern nation and the, the, the language, like, like all languages, is a living language which changes and develops and people, people expect the National Theatre, therefore, to not only to be this kind of defender or bastion of Norwegian historical theatre history, but also to to be cutting edge and to be reflecting what's interesting and exciting and happening. And, and, and that's, that's not an easy balancing act to, to have because someone's going to criticise you, whatever you do. Yeah, whichever um, side you come down on. Yeah, absolutely. And there's, there's an enormous amount of state subsidy and there's an enormously loyal and some of them quite important people who are regular audience members. And they, you know, they've all got their two pennies worth of, of opinion about what you should be doing. So, so it, it's, got, it's got all of that to deal with. But I think if you take Ibsen, for example, um, and he is a kind of a national treasure historically in theatre terms, um, I think if you see Ibsen on stage in the UK, at least the, the bits that I've seen then, and you came to Norway and you saw some productions at the National Theatre here, then what's happening here is so incredibly modern and exciting and wacky mm. compared to the way Ibsen is being presented in the UK. By comparison, in the UK, it appears to be a museum piece. Uh, and that's not to be rude or disparaging about some of the brilliant shows that, that happen in the UK of Ibsen, but it's, they wouldn't they wouldn't really attract an audience here. People have sort of moved on in a way yeah. from that style of Ibsen. Perhaps that's what we do with our kind of national texts, though, because I feel like so much that Shakespeare is pretty much kind of up for grabs 
um, in English theatre, isn't it? That you can you can do you know yeah. you can pull it apart and put it back together again. So perhaps we're sort of more respectful of other people's great texts and then of our own. We think right, let's get stuck in. And so yeah. you, um, rather than Ibsen or Shakespeare, you are introducing Marlowe to Oslo. Um, this in, is the next David Parish project. Give us a quick rundown. Well, you know, so I, I have had four and a half years at the National Theatre, and, and that's great. And I, I, it's, a, it's an enormous privilege, and I've got brilliant colleagues and so on. But I've got an itch, Charlie. <laughs> I've got a little bit. I've got a little bit of an itch. I had a, an itch when I was in Barclays Bank, uh, and, I, and I constantly had an itch whilst I was in creation, and uh, and I've got an itch again. So, so uh, the National Theatre is incredibly wonderful, and is allowing me to take a year off. Um, so that I could scratch my itch, and um, and and so I, I miss creating shows in strange places, um, and and I miss I miss being in a small, dirty, crazy, fun company <laughs> that 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 in a in a way doesn't really play by anybody else's rules because it's just trying to survive and make exciting things happen in whatever way it can, and. And so, so that's what I'm I'm going to do. And I wandered around the city, and I looked at strange places, and I thought I could do a show here. I looked at some shopping centres, by the way, mm-hmm. and um, and I looked at this place and that place and the other place, and I sort of, in my own mind, narrowed it down a little bit. And then I invited Charlotte Conquest, director well known to creation audiences, to come and walk around some of these venues with me. And on one afternoon, I made the poor woman sprint between 10 venues <laughs> scattered around the city. Uh, and, I, and I challenged her to talk to me. And we, we were thinking the same sort of thing about what you could do. And, um, and then the, the one that was obvious to start with was the, uh, the amazing city library, which has a big imposing building and is a big statement for the city when it was built and and I managed to convince the senior management of the library which again has a, an important position in the city like, like the National Theatre in a way um, I managed to convince them that what they really wanted <laughs> to, uh, to improve <laughs> Never their mind the peace and quiet and the studious yeah. reading, not what, that What, what what they really wanted was a big, lively, action-packed, wacky show, but but a show in particular that that asks the question, um, you know, can you have too much knowledge? What is knowledge? What happens to a man and to a society when you get all the knowledge that you want and you get the power that you want that comes through knowledge? And uh, and isn't it fascinating to? to to do that show in this this building which is looks like a temple a temple to knowledge and uh and is almost a nation's temple to the belief in knowledge and happily the senior management of the library um bit my hand off and said yes that's exactly <laughs> what we want great and so um at the moment, uh, David uh, and Creation Oslo, as this itch has uh, has been named, um, are crowdfunding. So first of all, you could go and watch their video and then you could see the amazing edifice that is the Central Library because it is a fantastic space. And, and I can see why it just kind of sparked all the we must do a show in this. Um, but also up until this Friday, um, they are still crowdfunding to get that project happening. So, um, so yeah, it, there's a Facebook page um, and a Kickstarter campaign under Creation Oslo. Um, 
so if you'd like to go and have a look uh, and then just you know crowdfund them and then you'll have to go to Oslo um, to visit <laughs> and see the show um, and so w- where are you up to in the process at the moment David like how's the show what, what point are you at the, the Kickstarter campaign um, uh, the project is called the Norwegian Dr Faustus that, that's the show the, Nor- the Norwegian Dr Faustus uh, it's got a few more days to go it finishes on Saturday the 27th and and that's that that's going well, but we still need support. We're grateful for support from Oxford, obviously. Um, and the rest of the project, we're really lucky. We've got the amazing Charlotte Conquest and Aidan Triez, choreographed movement director, both coming. They're well known to creation people. Mm-hmm. And we've got a fantastic Norwegian team of artists who are top-level, brilliant people. Uh, very lucky to have those in the cast. We've got... Um, Again, we've got brilliant Norwegian actors. Our, our leading man, a guy called Torbjörn Eriksson, is uh, is the equivalent of an Olivier Award winner for Best Actor. He won the the Norwegian Olivier in 2015. So it's really quite a privilege to have got someone of his level. Amazing. And this is probably a silly question, but what what language are you performing in? Well, we considered Japanese. Obviously, uh, but, natural choice. Uh, I, I couldn't. I couldn't resist. We we will be performing in in Norwegian. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I'm sure you, your listener knows, there is uh, lots <laughs> of Latin in in Christopher Marlowe, so the Latin will be there. And we are thinking that we might do one or two speeches in English, where where Marlowe is especially at his most beautiful. Yeah. Was this the face that launched a fa- launched a thousand ships? Yeah. Uh, sweet Helen, uh, uh, etc. Um, that that speech we co- we talked about whether that speech could be in English, and and we might even give a nod to Goethe by by having a tiny bit of German. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're considering. Great. Okay. Well, it sounds really exciting. Um, yeah, everyone's got until Saturday to chip in, and then we'll be kind of keeping people updated with your progress um, on all the creation social media channels. So they should be able to keep up unless they want to take a trip to Oslo. Um, and hopefully, you'll come back and tell us um, how it's all gone and um, and all your amazing triumphs. Um, so, as I say, people have got uh, up until the weekend to um, to kind of get involved, and then if you follow Creation Oslo on Facebook, that will also give you lots of information. Thank you very much, David. Thank you for joining um, and telling us all your all your news. Um, and hopefully we'll speak to you again soon. Thank you. OK, bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Creation Theatre podcast. You can find more episodes and all the latest creation news at creationtheatre.co.uk.